Amen. Since you're already standing, you might as well get your Bible in your hands. And let's just read a word. Go to back again to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we just want to read uh, two. Let's make it uh, two verses. Verse 33 and verse 34. Verse 33 and verse 34. Mark 6, 33 and 34. Let's read. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. The word of God for the people of God. Somebody say praise be the Lord. Amen. You may have to take your seats. Amen. I want to uh, again tonight talk about handling life's challenges and Tonight, I'm particularly dealing with how Jesus had dealt with it. This is the 14th iteration of this message. I'm trailing my way through Mark, the book of Mark, and I'll hopefully finish the book of Mark by the end of the year. So when we're working through Mark. Uh, I may change the title somewhere in the middle, but we're, that's what we're doing in case you haven't figured it out yet. Uh, handling life's challenges. It's interesting, the, again, we go back to that notion that Jesus raises with them, he says, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so I want to talk a little bit about shepherds this week, and then I'm going to introduce a little bit, if you want to read ahead, John 10 for next week, because I want to talk about Jesus in terms of being a good shepherd then. But, but just in terms of what shepherds were about and why it's so important that we discuss this text again, is that the duty of the shepherd, what the shepherd actually did was it was his role, uh, or in some cases a female role, uh, to keep the flock together, to protect them. They, they wanted to, to keep them together, and that, that, that relates to their string, but they wanted to protect them, that relates to their getting into mischief. In some cases it would be getting into places that they couldn't get out of. And, you know, they, they would get to eating and would walk themselves nearly off a cliff or would get into a thicket where they'd get stuck and would become prey for any predator that came by. And, and what Jesus was reiterating to them and pulling to them was this shepherd metaphor. And I want to lift that up because shepherds, not only did they protect them, but they also made sure that they were taken in and they were sheared at the right time. Um, in some cases, in the early days, they used to use sheep's milk to make cheese. Uh, they don't do that anymore. Goat's milk might be used, but sheep's milk not as tasty as I understand it. And it's interesting when one looks at a shepherd closely because the shepherd had certain things that he carried with him. The shepherd would carry a, a, a script or a leather bag. Um, long before they talked about man purses, they had, they had their own merce. Really? And you carry a leather bag. Inside of the leather bag, it contained some food, uh, many times dried goods, dried fruit, um, bread, uh, things that they could carry, uh, cheese uh, of, of sorts. But then the shepherd also carried a rod. 
you know, when you read the, the Psalm 23, it says, thy rod and thy staff. And most of us only think of the staff. And um, for in modern times, uh, many ministers are noted for their uh, shepherd's crook or staff uh, as it's carried. Uh, but you rarely see them carrying rod. But there was a rod in particular, and the rod was actually a more formidable weapon. It was usually about three feet long, and on the end it had a sharp end that was embedded with some kind of bulbous knife. And uh, they, that was the staff. So, you know, if you just thought that all he did was use his stick to fight with, uh, you missed out on understanding the true role of the shepherd. Uh, I can only imagine if there was a lion uh, coming towards the sheep and you were trying to fight a lion with a stick, you might want to use something that's going to do a little more damage. So you don't just need the rod. You use the rod on the sheep but you use the staff on the lion. And every now and then, you got to be ready for the lions in your life. And some of the lions are spelled L-O-I, what's it, L-I-O-N, and some of them are L, never mind. You'll get it on the way home if you didn't get it that time. But you have to have a lion, you have to have a staff. And then the staff was that stick that he carried that was used for walking, uh, for leaning. I don't know about you, but every now and then you need something to lean on. Uh, you got to use it for leaning on. And then he carried a personal water container of some sort that he could carry his water in. And then there was always around him uh, more like a collapsible leather bucket that he could fold up together. But if he got the sheep to a place where they could not get to the regular water source, he could go to one of the water sources from the underground wells that were dug up, and he could use his water bucket to bring water out to give it to the sheep. So he had a collapsible water bucket. It's interesting that what, the, what he did all the time was he cared for the sheep he protected the sheep and he discovered ways to make sure the sheep would be okay. One last item we don't usually talk about that the shepherd had, and that was a sling. And, and you know, most of us don't realize that, that using a sling was important. If you think about it closely enough, when I said it, there was like a little aha in the back of your head because you, your mind went back. So, oh, that's right, because David got Goliath. Well, how did he learn how to use a sling? He used his sling as a method of keeping his sheep in, in line. So what he would do if the sheep got too far away, instead of running after them, he could hurl his sling and throw a rock out beyond the sheep, startle them back towards the fold. Oh, I know this is good stuff tonight. I'm just talking. It's interesting because he could also use the same hurling rock to drive off a prowling animal. You can only imagine the animal think he got an easy prey and all of a sudden he get popped upside the head. And apparently they knew they were some, they were some exceptional rock throwing people. Cedric the entertainer said these were some unusual rock throwers. I'm sorry. That, 
Some of y'all got it, some of y'all didn't. You get on the way home. I guess, I guess at times it's interesting. Some of them actually uh, also carried like a flute or what they would call a reed because they were, it was such a lonely, desolate place. They would entertain themselves using the reed. They'd blow on it. Which is, which is interesting when you think about it. That's how uh, musicality was in the spirit of David so that he could use that gift of music to soothe the heart of Saul. Now, the Bible has continuously used this, this, this uh, word shepherd or this imagery of shepherd metaphorically. Now, to, to talk about a metaphor, what we really are talking about is a figure of speech that is applied to something to which it is not literally applicable. So this metaphor of a shepherd is, is one that's used regularly, and it would be used regularly, because if you think about it, the oldest profession in the world is not prostitution. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna do this real quick. The tailors say the oldest profession of the world is tailoring. Because the first thing that they did was they made fig leaf suits. <laughs> now, for, for the critics in the crowd, in early times, around 1600s, there was an application put in place to pick who was the oldest profession in the world. And one of the first applicants for that position were the tailors. One of the oldest professions in the world had to be shepherding. How do we know? It shows up in Genesis 4. It, so among, among the Jews, it was their early profession. It was one of the things that they did. It's interesting because this shepherding uh, metaphor is used in the Psalms, it's used again in Ezekiel in relation to God, as we talked about earlier, and next week we're gonna talk about how it relates directly to Jesus as he defines himself, John 10, 10, as the, John 10 rather, as the good shepherd. It's, it's clear because they were a pastoral people. And by pastoral, we simply mean they, they were people who worked in the pasture. And tending sheep and even goats was something that they did. Just think about it. You think about it closely enough. Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. The 12 tribes each had shepherds in them. Moses was a shepherd, even though he was taking care of his father-in-law, Jethro's sheep. David was a shepherd. The Old Testament prophets, Amos was a shepherd. Hey, listen, shepherding is something that the Bible would relate to clearly. It's, it's what comes across Isaiah chapter 40, write this down, verse 9 through 11. In relation to God, you get down to the 11th verse in particular. Well, if I do Isaiah 40, let's do 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. And behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, 
and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So this metaphor of shepherding has a long history. Now, what grabs my attention today is, is that this shepherding metaphor would also speak to a mindset that Jesus would have that might teach us something about a mindset that we need to have. Because I think that a part of his spirit of being a shepherd dictated how he interacted with the people that came in his presence. And I think all of us could learn from that spirit and could actually get it into us to have more of a shepherd's mindset. You see, some of us, we don't think pastoral. We don't think shepherding. We think selfishly. We think personally. We think of our individual lives. We don't think broader perspective. We don't think how it helps others, what will happen to somebody else. He looks at this situation, and he has a shepherd's mindset because there were a lot of ways he could have handled that. You know, you, you just, just think about it. The, the Bible declares that they get into a boat to get away from a crowd to go rest. They get to the other side, and the crowd they got away from not only meets them there, but there are more of them there. Now, you, you, got, you have to know, you know, I, I think um, somebody said, uh, never meet your, your, your um, idols up close, or they'll only disappoint you. You just think about it. Some of the people who you idolize, you know, if you get them, if you meet them in person, be like, oh God, I really thought, I really thought that persona was you. I thought you were such a, oh, you were such a nice person. You are the opposite. I thought you just, just ooze Jesus, but you are the devil incarnate. I thought you loved the Lord. No, you don't. And it's, it's, it's amazing. But, but really, what's in you is coming out of you. you, you let me tell you, I want, I want to help you here. You'll learn how you're growing by how your language changes in situations. So when you were younger, you stubbed your toe, you might have said, oh, I don't know what the other end of your O was. But the more mature you became in God, you stubbed the same toe, you probably said, the blood of Jesus. Well, some people have a little more maturing to do. <laughs> Even though tomorrow's their birthday. The Lord is still working on some folk. That's all we can say. That's all we can say. He's got hard work to do. He's got a tough job. At some point, your maturity of who you are is going to come out of you. And it always comes out of you when you're challenged. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. If any one thing happens to you, you usually can handle it and be pretty Christian about it. If three or four things happen at the same time, you start to get a little testy. And some of you might even speak in tongues without the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus teaches us a lesson. He gets out. I don't know what the disciples were thinking or how they felt about it, because they probably were tired and hungry. They get out too. They probably looking around. Look at the verse again. I want to read this verse this time in the Amplified Version. My sister's favorite verse. Verse 34 in the Amplified. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and in parentheses it says waiting. And he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And in parentheses says, lacking guidance. And he began to teach them many things. I think the lesson Jesus teaches us here is don't belittle the sheep. Don't belittle the sheep. Let me say it again. Don't belittle the sheep. He looked at them as lacking guidance. Something was missing. They didn't have something. And some of us get around people that have lack, and instead of helping them, we belittle them. And the more you are picked on, the more you become a person that be, you know, picking on folk. Uh, you know, some of us uh, need to realize Curtis Martin said it best in his Hall of Fame speech, hurt people hurt people. And the more you've been hurt, the more you easy to do it. And, and matter of fact, sometimes when you've been hurt, you'll even hurt yourself. I think uh, Tyler Perry's movie uh, depicted a young lady one point uh, uh, being so belittled and abused by her husband that she, when, even when she got into a new relationship where somebody cared for her and respected her, she was telling her own fat jokes. And he said, I, I don't like it. Why are you doing that? You, what? Because, see, she had been so used to being belittled that she began to belittle herself. At some point, you've got to be careful because you will internalize what people say about you. And at times, your defense mechanism becomes one of two things, fight or flight. So sometimes you'll fight back by going after other people before they get after you. And you have to be careful because there's a spirit that goes with this. There's a spirit that goes with talking down and condescending to people. There's a spirit that goes with people putting others down so they can raise themselves up. Because once that spirit overtakes you, you will do it in every situation, even to people you like. And you'll always be apologizing if you want to be a good person because you know it's wrong, but the spirit gets in you and all of a sudden you're putting folk down. I, I used to have a hard time. I still can't to this day. I, I, and, and you know, back when I was a kid, we had one TV, it was black and white, it was only 13 inches, and there was only three television stations. Sometimes you can get a fourth one, which was Channel 11 out of New York on Saturday morning if you held the antenna just right and maybe put a little aluminum foil on it. And, you, and if Soul Train was on, somebody, particularly if you had a little sister, 
You tell them it was their duty to hold it. God was going to bless them. And besides, they could hear better if they were up close. <laughs> but when I was young, there was one show I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch I Love Lucy. I could not stand to see her. Her, her comedy was great. And you know, if you, if you like sketch comedy, you, you know, I couldn't stand to see some of those antics. It would make my skin rah! I couldn't take it. So, so I might watch a little bit and I turn away. You know, I can't stand, I'm gonna tell y'all a secret. If I never told y'all this, I, maybe I shouldn't tell on myself. Transparency is not always good for pastors. One of my first fights in school, and this was not long before I got ready to preach. <laughs> That's probably when the Lord called me early. He knew I was gonna be a whole mess. My first fight in school was because I couldn't stand this big guy picking on this small dude. And I said, do it again, and it's on. I'm just, I'm just being clear, you know, because belittling bugs me, but it doesn't bug everybody. There's some people that will talk about folk. You see somebody wearing an outfit, oh Lord, there they go again, they're just thirsty, just thirsty. They, they, they know, they know. She, she may not be a prostitute, but she's sure wearing the uniform. They know. Listen, the problem with that, not only is it rude, mean, and, 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 and really uh, deflating of other people, but the problem with that is once you start belittling and attacking others, you open yourself up to the attack of the enemy. People now feel justified calling the current president names they would have never said about someone else. You talk that way, why can't we talk that way? I remember when, when a congressman spoke of Barack Obama and said, you lie. And even folks on his side of the aisle said, this is, you can't do this. This is out of decorum. This doesn't make sense. We don't talk like that. Now folks say, they'll cuss each other out now. Because the spirit that goes with that kind of talk and dialogue has become pervasive in the land. It's like demons have been unleashed of a spirit of belittling. We can talk about anybody Go back to your country where you came from. Those s-hole countries over there. Come on. People born here, go back to your country. What, what country am I going to? I was born here. But when that spirit is unleashed, it 
moves in ways that you can't control. Jesus says, he sees him, he says, look, I, I, there's a problem here. I can see something wrong. The Bible teaches us a lesson here. The, 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 the psalmist does it this way. Psalm 136, 23 says, God looked at us and he remembered us in our low estate for his mercy endures forever. Ooh, Psalm 136, 23. I, you know, I thank God that he didn't look, look, I don't know about you. Matter of fact, I do know about you, I just don't know specifics. But God has looked past a whole lot of stuff in your past in order to save you. And some of us act like we've never sinned, not one time. We don't know any sinners, never seen any sinners, never dated a sinner, never slept with a sinner, never looked at a sinner. We wore a white dress at our wedding. Big tux. And brought out the ceremonial sheet. Listen. Y'all pray for me. I think I'm tired. I think I'm a little tired. Um, listen. God looked at us in our lowest state. And the last part of that verse says, for his mercy endureth forever. Okay, I'm gonna take this little liberty with this. This is not isogetical, but it's not quite directed at this point, but I'm gonna use it because it works what I wanna say. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Romans 12, verse 16 use it in the old version. Some scriptures, you, you know, when you start studying scripture in the King James Version, it's hard to get to remember them in New King James. I be, I be saying New King James and quoting King James all the time because I just, I learned them in the old Bible. Listen, verse 16 says, be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of lower state. And then he says, and be not wise in your own conceits. Believers, listen, not only are we not to belittle other folk, but we are to make sure that we realize that we've been lifted and that we're always reaching back to lift somebody else. Jesus sees them. He doesn't say, oh my God. Can I use that word one more time? All these thirsty folk. I just did that because I know it would get. Some of the older people have no idea what I just said. It's really okay. You get the part you can get. Listen. <laughs> he doesn't belittle the sheep. But the second thing in the text, which is interesting to me, Second thing in the text, you might not have seen it at the first reading, but read it this time. Read it again. Look at verse 35 and 36. 
when the day was now far spent, I'm reading New King James Version, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. I, you know, I was like, you say, this is a desert place. This is a deserted place. I mean, no, nothing around here. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. Listen, for they have nothing to eat. Point number two, stay with me. Don't blame the sheep. Don't blame the sheep. You know, for some folk, it's always somebody else's fault. You just gotta have somebody to blame. And sometimes it's not even blame to be given. It's that sometimes, sometimes life just happens. You know, I, you, 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 I, um, I don't know what took place a couple Saturdays ago, but I know that boy did not deserve for somebody to come out there and shoot him several times, ruin his hip, bullet left in his side, losing his spleen, one kidney. Listen, you have to understand, but, but we've got to realize the world we're living in, people can be mean just because they mean. And those without Christ are letting demons run wild inside of their mind. And when those demons come up in their spirit, they'll tell them to do stuff and they will listen to the evil one. Sometimes we, we um, sometimes we're a little bit harsh with folk. Yeah, you know, I, I know, I know some people, you might have to get on them and say, you know, we can do better. But sometimes we can be a little harsh. Let me, let me talk to believers on this side. Believers on this side might be mad with me. <laughs> Sometimes we talk to people in a way we don't want to be talked to ourselves. We talk about them in a way we don't want to be talked about. Now, they, they, he's talking right in front of them. Lord, they ain't got nothing to eat. They need to go ahead out of here. It's deserted out here, don't they? Send these jokers home. Like I can't hear you. Listen, you've got to be careful because there's a whole lot of, of, of blaming and, and I almost want to say victim shaming when life is not, not fair to people. You know, here they are. They're in this position. They're out there. They want something from God. They're trying to glean something. And now you're looking down at them because they didn't bring food. Well, we didn't know we were going to be here listening to a four-hour sermon. We ain't complaining. After all, it is Jesus. But we didn't do anything wrong. Um, let me see if I can help you here. When Jesus sees them, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And what he gives them is not a beat down. Instead, he gives them enlightenment. Watch this, stay with me for a minute. He gives them enlightenment. He gives them what? Revelation. He sees that what's going on in them, 
They're sheep without a shepherd because they have not received revelation. Watch this. It's not that they're not good people. It's not that they're not in relationship with God. See, one of the problems I have with some Christians is you think you're the only one saved because you got it the way you got it. I know some people who don't come to church every Sunday who act more saved than some of us. Okay. Let me see if I can make my point a little clearer. Go to Acts chapter 8. I won't do it all. I don't have time to do it all. I got, I got to rush. Gonna, I, I, I've had too much fun with this one. That's because I keep playing off of folk talking to me during my message. Distracted me off the truth. Listen, Acts chapter 8. When you get there, say amen. If you don't have it, say hold up, preacher. Okay. All right, Acts chapter 8. Go down to verse 26. This is when God speaks to Philip. Real quick, I want you to catch this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, the, this is desert. This is what? They were in a what? Deserted place. This is what? I just want to see this analogy. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charges of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Stop right there. Notice what happens. Philip doesn't say, man, you, you really should be smarter than this. You ignorant. You should be studying more. The man says, I don't have the capacity at this point to quite understand this, but I know it speaks to me. But I don't know why it speaks to me or what it really means because I have nobody to guide me. Remember, this is the divine arrangement. God has put Philip in this place. God has forced Philip to run alongside the chariot. God has now put Philip into the chariot to speak to him. The whole purpose of which is to give him revelation. Y'all missed it, went over your head, come back. Instead of him looking and blaming him for what he doesn't know, he offers him enlightenment for what he needs to know. A lot of times we miss out because we're on the critic's chair instead of on the chair of the commentary offering to people instruction and information about what God is doing. See, sometimes God puts people in our lives that may have some knowledge but not everything they need. 
And instead of you talking about him, Lord, every time I hear him, they quote scripture, they don't even understand what they just said. Just ignorant. And don't tell me you don't do it. Christians do it all the time. We talk about each other all the time. Lord, they use that scripture completely out of context. Did you say anything to him? I ain't say nothing to him. I ain't gonna get no argument out of me. If they want to learn something, they should have come to my class. I'll try to teach them. <laughs> In some cases, they didn't even know you had a class. Last point, I got to hurry. I can't go where I want to go with that. But Last point. Everybody with me so far? Don't belittle the sheep. Don't what? Don't blame the sheep. The last one is don't burden the sheep. Y'all want to know where I got that from, don't you? You look at me like, Bishop, you, you, you going. Verse 37, Jesus says, but he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. You do something about their situation. Now, I'm going to give you a good example of this. Um, we're talking about food and sheep and, and not burdening the sheep. Jesus says, I'm looking at this situation from the point of a solution. You're looking at the situation from the point of a problem. And because your perspective is nestled in the problem, you can't see the solution. I'm gonna give you a good example. This is a secular example. Um, and this comes from Joanne uh, Mitchell Miller's hometown. Uh, just a few days ago, dozens of families in Pennsylvania, not exactly our hometown, but it's the home state, in Pennsylvania received a letter. They got a letter because their kids had lunch debt. They couldn't pay for their hot lunches, and by law, the schools had to feed them. So what the schools did was they fed them, and then they sent the bill to the parents. Now, mind you, this is the Wyoming Valley West School District. They sent it out to them and told them this, that if they didn't pay for their kids' lunches, they would be charged as going out and having neglected their children, and their children would be taken away from them and put in foster care. Wait a minute. Some people owed as little as $10 received this letter. So if you owed $10 or more and you had an overdue bill, you received the letter. 40 families got the letter. Listen. You, I, I don't know whether to cuss, scream, or cry. Listen. Here they are. They're mad. We're going to get this money for the district. Now, here's how, that's how they handled it. Recognize this. The area that they live in is near the coal mining community in northeastern Pennsylvania. It's called the Valley. It is the highest, one of the highest poverty rates in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania because the job situation has totally changed. People are, some of which are 
above the line to get any kind of assistance with, with school lunch, but they're well below the poverty line. There's two different looks at it. They up there want to make people pay. Another school district decided they had the same problem. They declared everyone in their district as being available for school lunch because the poverty in their district was so pervasive so that the federal government then had to supply a grant for them to feed everybody in the district. One district says, we're going to take your child. The other district says, I realize you don't have it, and I know you're struggling. Your child needs to eat in order to study. We're going to find another way. Which one of them has the spirit of the shepherd? My teaching tonight works in your normal everyday life. There is a way to apply your faith to what you do every day. There's a way to apply your faith to how you exist in the world. God wants us to be the kind of believers that don't burden the sheep. There are certain things, let me do it like this. Some of you who are parents, there are certain things you're going through in your household, you don't tell your children about it. Because you don't put that burden on them because they can't handle it yet. So you understand not burdening the sheep. There are things in life that you need to do and take care of. And there are things in life where the more mature you become, the more you ought to help others to lift up the burden from people who cannot handle it themselves. That's why you and I have to care what's going on in the world. We can't sit back idly and say, I was praying, Lord. I, I was way down yonder by myself. Couldn't anybody? No, you need to be actively involved because your life in Christ is more than just prayer. It's prayer with legs on it. Somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I love you all with the love of the Lord.